Hey, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer based in New York City. I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actor and producer also living in New York City. And we are Positive Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with artists from all disciplines about how they got their start, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in the entertainment industry. We speak with artists based in New York, L.A., and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to share their experiences and talk about their work. We hope that our listeners will enjoy the insights, stories, and perspectives from a diverse group of artists from all sides of the industry. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. We are so excited to share our conversation with Jason Sasportis with you. Jason is the head of the voiceover department at Stewart Talent in New York. He and his team cover multiple aspects of voiceover, including major TV, radio, internet campaigns, broadcast narration, video games, animation, and audiobooks. He actually started training as an actor and a screenwriter at NYU. Then he decided to make the switch to the business side of the entertainment industry. He started out first as an assistant at William Morris. Then he eventually joined their commercial department as the booth director. And his acting and writing experience served him well to direct talent in the booth. It's clear from our conversation he's exceptional at what he does, providing positive and constructive feedback for actors, helping them make creative choices. I also loved hearing about his passions outside of the industry. When he's not agenting or teaching voiceover workshops, you can find him walking literally miles around New York City and beyond. He snaps amazing professional-grade photos, really, if you will, of his walks on his Instagram and his website, which we've linked in the show notes. We are sure that you'll find Jason's story inspiring. Both his passions inside and outside of the industry are really a wonderful reminder to embrace all parts of yourself as an artist. Happy listening. Welcome, Jason. Hello. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. We're so excited to talk to you tonight. Yeah. Yes. So exciting. So I remember reading somewhere on the internet that you were an actor and writer. You were studying acting and writing. Yeah. And after college, you got, you got into agenting. Can you tell us your story? Yeah. I, uh, one, I think you read my bio. (laughs) (laughs) Years ago at Stewart, there was a thing going on where they, uh, they wanted this, all of the agents to write, a bio for the website, you know, and, and, and have this involved thing. And I think most of us put something up and that's when I was like, Oh, I've got to, you know, what's, what do you put in the bio for an agent anyway? Um, so that's sort of where, where I started to talk about that. Um, yeah, I, uh, when I was in elementary school, I, I was bit with the acting bug and did community theater and, and, and really became very focused and set on making a career as an actor um, and that carried into high school. I ended up going to a performing arts magnet school um, in Hartford uh, called Greater Hartford Academy of the Arts. And it was great because it got me out of gym, which I was not. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a huge fan. I was never that athletic. I wasn't in bad shape, but I just was not a, a sports guy. You know, I didn't have the coordination. Ooh, um, relatable. 
Yeah, that was a, a bonus. It wasn't the reason for going out and, and finding the, you know, the, the magnet school. So I went to this school and, and learned a lot about the acting craft and did all the voice workshops and all, all the things, right? Um, and continuing my interest, you know, when I, I started applying to schools, I looked at NYU, I think Juilliard too, but for some reason, NYU, I applied early decision um, at the Tisch School. Um and I got in, which was uh, terrific, right? Um, when I started my freshman year, I was at the Stella Adler Conservatory. NYU pairs you with, at least at the time, would pair you with different conservatories. Mm-hmm. They may do it all in-house now. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but we started doing the, the classes through Adler. And it was a lot of rehash of what I was doing at that magnet school uh, in Hartford. You know, because you're kind of starting from the beginning. I think the assumption was that most students coming in were, uh, you know, hadn't done a performing arts school prior. You know, maybe. Mm. So they're treating it uh, like that. Um, But I did notice over the course of that year that um, I was enjoying the actual performance aspect less and less. You know, a class where I wouldn't get called on to go and do a scene or do an improv or whatever the thing was. I was excited. Oh, I got out of it. You know, and that's when I really started to look at that as like, this could be problematic, you know, for uh, a career uh, that, you know, the starving actor thing. Uh, you need to go in assuming that's what's going to be the lay of the land for a while, you know, and it could be years. Who knows? But I think, uh, you know, just the performance uh, acting career, you know, um, is at the top there for jobs that if there are other things you can be doing you know, or other passions that, that are on an equal playing field or even more than, than go and explore those mm-hmm. things, you know? And uh, yeah, I just didn't want it enough. I'd been writing, uh, script writing, uh, which also started in high school um, on my own. And it was another interest. And I was kind of like, uh, not sure which one I liked more when I got into college. And as that first year progressed, I realized, oh, I'd, I'd much rather spend the time writing um, it might be the, the introvert in me that was coming out more, you know, that was making me not enjoy the performance aspect as much. Um, so I made the transfer sophomore year, got into dramatic writing. Um, and that was great. And that went on for, you know, the rest of my college career. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had double majored, uh, and taken on film as film and dramatic writing, I think would have made uh, a little bit more sense, uh, just, someone who's interested specifically in screenwriting, you know, you'd be getting the other side of that and that, you know, to get out into the field, especially now where, you know, people who um, it's not as uh, it used to be that you would have to uh, sell a screenplay and that's how you sort of get into uh, the business as a writer. I think now more than ever, it's, you kind of, you assemble your team, your crew and, and, and you go out and make something and start shopping it around festivals. And just having that know-how um, in hindsight uh, would have made a little bit more sense. So I got out of college with uh, a degree, a BFA in dramatic writing, which is very uh, unemployable, you know, for uh, <laughs> like, what do you do with that? I felt like I got out of school with be a glorified uh, administrative assistant. You know, that's what my abilities were through work study. And um, so... I did some work study jobs in college and knew I could uh, fit into that scene comfortably, you know, uh, drinking lots of coffee and 
filing things. And, you know, I worked in a chemistry lab doing that kind of work. Didn't know anything about chemistry and I didn't learn anything about it, <laughs> but I was able to file things, you know, and, 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 and provide support. And I provided coffee for, for this particular lab. They'd have coffee time, you know, like 3 PM um, each day. Um, so when I got out of school, I, I wasn't in a place to be selling screenplays. I was still working on projects, but I just wasn't, you know, going to be making money as a screenwriter out of the gate. There's, there's no way. Um, and I knew I wanted to stay in New York. Um, and it made sense to me to learn the business side of entertainment, you know, while I'm pursuing the creative side. So, you know, I could get a stable paycheck, um, you know, be able to fund living in the city, um, and be networking, you know, uh, seeing how agents work and getting a feel for that environment and who knows what can lead to what I had no intention, uh, not no intention. I, I just didn't think it was even within the realm of possibility that agent would be um, part of my track. I thought at the time you had to go to business school and you had to, uh, it'd be great at math and at all, all of that, you know, things that were not a, a part of my life, you know, or the way I was hardwired. But I was open to the possibility. And I even said this uh, in an in interview, you know, one of the first places I interviewed was William Morris. Um, now, this was, I should say, graduated um, in 2001. So I took the summer off and didn't start the job application process until one week before 9-11. Oh, um, awesome. And then everything shut down, obviously. Oof. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It ended up being a seven-month period uh, of job searching for me. Um, although William Morris was one of the first interviews I had. But there were everyone had hiring freezes. Everything was drawn out, so it ended up they ended up hiring me in March of the following year as an assistant. And it was actually it was a great position, um, not greatly paid, but they you know these assistant positions generally aren't um, in this industry. Mm -hmm. um, but it was great in that it, I was a floater, which is the name they gave for um, their assistants that they would hire to be either extra help or coverage for desks in any area of the agency. So it was a real great way to learn all aspects of how that company worked. You know, uh, William Morris, one of the, well, I think the oldest talent agency out there. And this is way before they merged and, and became William Morris Endeavor. Um, it's just a huge agency, you know, so there's a lot of departments at Music Central and, and, literary theater tv you know everything and i would float around and and get to experience that with the other people in the floater pool um and really get to know how different agents worked and what what areas were more of interest that's how i ended up finding the voiceover department well the commercial department um they had a booth there and i thought well, that looks like kind of a cool thing you know uh they're one of the assistants that worked for a commercial agent would go in and get to record talent reading audition copy, celebrities and non-celebrity. Hmm. Um, and what appealed to me about that was, you know, it had a creative component to it, which is something that I do enjoy. Um, so it wasn't strictly business uh, doing administrative duties, but actually uh, getting involved with the creative process uh, that clients were uh, wanting to be a part of 
you know. And then, you know, so here's what happened with that is initially there was no open position there. The commercial assistant would go in and, and record talent certain periods out of the day. Uh, but it became a bit overwhelming because everyone was recording in the agency booths at that time. There was a small list of, of, of out-of-towners or radio voices, radio imaging voices that uh, one of the agents there uh, covered. Uh, but everyone else was either, uh, it was coming in, they were out in LA, if there's a celebrity thing, um, they'd be going to the LA office and then recording there. But in New York, it's a slew of scale talent on the roster that were coming in. And every now and then a celeb would too, who was uh, in the city. Hmm. Um, so it became a bigger responsibility that was taking the commercial assistance away from the desk um, of their agent. And so they finally uh, created a, a temporary position for a floater to just be there doing, uh, running the auditions. And I jumped at that opportunity. Um, I don't know if anyone else jumped at it, if it was, oh, all right, if you want to, you can have it. <laughs> But I, I definitely jumped and was hopeful that I'd get it, and I did. Um, cool. And it it was all the things I was hoping it would be. You know, I loved the the client interaction. Um, I could speak the language of the actor just through my own experience as a, an actor in training growing up. Um, so that part was fun. Uh, reading uh, commercial scripts, animation, uh, video game scripts, and helping uh, guide the actor through choices that they were making uh, was also, you know, uh, it was a challenge and there was a learning curve too. You know, I remember getting in there, um, you know, the very beginning when I was training and, and the commercial assistant was passing the torch after going through all the, uh, the ways that you run these sessions and thinking, I, I mean, what do I know? <laughs> I tried this, we're trying to bring, uh, you know, um, a little bit more excitement in that line. And like you're telling celebrities, some celebrities, you know, how to act it, it <laughs> that way. I'm like, who the hell am I? Um, but it, it, there was no, very rarely was there a feeling that uh, my perspective wasn't welcome. You know, it wasn't that I knew the right way uh, to do a thing or like my way was the, this is what you're, you're, you're not doing that you should be. Is a suggestion, you know, and it's a collaborative thing uh, with any talent. And it, even today, you know, if I have a client uh, asking for my feedback on a thing, you know, it's not that they don't know what they're doing. It's just getting a, a, another point of view as to how to uh, approach a thing. You know, um, people book for the oddest reasons, too. You know, it's like it may it could sometimes have nothing to do with a great read that you have. It could be, you know, uh, something inherent in your voice that you have no control over. It's just part of your voice that books it. I had a client, um, I love telling this story. Uh, I have a client, this is back, not in my client, actually. This was when I was at William Morris and doing the booth thing. Um, she was reading copy that had a phone number in it. And it, it was written out in X's, Oof. right? So when she went through the copy and maybe a promo even, um, she, she said she put nines in cause it was easier to say. And she said, just call nine, 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 the number. And she just sort of riffed on the nines for a bit. And I was like, and so she left, I'm supposed to, I was editing, you know, these things to clean it up. And I missed that edit somehow. So when I submitted her read, um, 
she you know had the mistake the flub in there with her little thing that she did turns out that's why she booked the job oh my gosh they love the the creatives loved her sense of humor and the way that she owned her flub <laughs> there and that's just awesome. all of it and, um so she booked it which means if i had been doing my job the way i was supposed to be doing it you know <laughs> i would have caught her opportunity so who but I can't just start writing. Maybe the answer there is if someone flubs in a funny way, leave it in. Yeah, don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always tough to know when it's going to be seen as endearing and be the thing that's going to get you the job and when it's going to be the thing that takes you out of the running. But yeah. I love that story. Yeah. I'd say it's impossible to know. It's You just don't know who the players are. You know, there's no yeah. facing with these creatives for the most part, especially now it's all email. Right. Um uh, so yeah, you just got to roll with it. <laughs> Listen, yeah. people book a lot of opportunity out there and it's, um, yeah, but it's, it's just amazing. Like it, it, the lottery game aspect that is kind of inherent in it too, you know? Right. Yeah. So the thing with William Morris, that position uh, went from, uh, they saw the agents in the commercial department, I think were really uh, vouching for me and, and, and wanting me to stay there. So it eventually, uh, became a permanent position. Um, they gave me a, a title as booth director. I got an email address. And um, so I was the booth guy for a couple of years. Um, and it was great. They ended up closing their scale division in New York, uh, oh, wow. which apparently they had done before. Cause William Morris is mostly a celebrity agency driven agency anyway. And that, oh. that the money you're talking about with celebrity um you know, there's no comparison between that and what scale scale is, even though scale right. works very well. Um, so uh, they just wanted, I, I don't know what the conversation was, but they, they closed it in New York and were just going to uh, shift their focus back to celebrity, which meant they didn't really have a need for a full-time booth person. Hmm. Um, I wasn't out of a job. I was going to be doing other duties in the commercial division. And then the occasional recording, you know, if, if when the celebrity stuff would come in, um, I was disappointed, you know, I, I really loved that aspect of it and, you know, doing more of, uh, administrative assistant work at that stage would felt like a, would be a step back. Uh, so there was actually a, a client of theirs at the time was in Chicago doing wicked. Um, she'd started in the Broadway production, went out there and, uh, around the time that all this was happening in New York, um, this client, she emailed me out of the blue asking um, uh, for some demo advice. She was looking to revamp her commercial demo. And in that dialogue, uh, I mentioned that just a heads up that they're closing the scale division here uh, when you get back. Summer, but that's what's going on. She had hooked up with Stuart Talent in Chicago uh, mm. at some point during her stay to keep her voiceover stuff going and caught wind of them wanting to do something similar in the New York office, which was very tiny at the time. And that's that's how I ended up uh, interviewing there and Hello. getting the position. And, you know, it's been over 15 years now. Wow. It's wow. longer, actually. Well, 15 years is substantial. You know, wow. it goes so fast that when I say 15, like, maybe when it's 25, it'll feel a bit yeah. more weighty. But, wow. Um, yeah. Incredible. I mean, it's been, a, it really was like a, a dominoes in a way, you know. In, in the career track. I was open to other possibilities. This is not a, a route that I've gone and looked back on. Like I, I got stuck in this track that I didn't want to be a part of. 
um, I just discovered an area of the business I never would have thought of. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in my looking for steady, uh, paycheck and, 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 uh, and, and doing the networking, um, a door opened up that I wasn't anticipating and it led this way, you know, so I love the direction that it went. I, I love that it turned into an agent opportunity that even if it was just an opportunity that like, oh, it didn't work out. It ended up being the other way, which is terrific, you know, um, and the department, you know, the company has grown so much over this time and, you know, a team of colleagues that, you know, great relationships with, and we're all, you know, an excellent roster. Yeah. Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. You know, thanks, you know. Um, seriously, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a fun trip. Yeah. It's continuing, you know? Wow. There's like yeah. so much to comment on in there. I feel like we're thinking the same thing, Alyssa. That was just, this is always our favorite part of this podcast is hearing people's stories. Yeah. And yeah. I've known you now, Jason, for gosh, at least like three 2018. Yeah. I think when, when Bonnie kind of came over to Stewart and like things kind of huge for our agency. Yeah. yeah. Her came over and a couple of the other agents, Jonathan Saul, uh, right. uh, in adult VO, Jay Schachter, uh, one of our, uh, uh, legit agents who was at, uh, then Abrams. Um, yeah. 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 Courtin and on cam. I mean, we, yeah, we so got, really had a huge expansion, uh, around that time into early 2019. Yeah. And it's so funny, like, right. Did you see our old agency space? I, yes. That was where I first met you. I remember the, the building like on 50, 53rd. The comedy club. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it's, it's like, it's so cool to, to meet people for the first time. And like, I remember meeting you and being like, Jason's really cool. Jason's really chill. And like, I love his sense of humor and this is, this is a great place to be. But I feel like in that initial meeting, I didn't get to hear your story. I feel like it was, you know, just kind of like meet and greet and getting to know each other a little bit. And so it's so cool to just hear all the details of what led you to Stuart Talent and this path. And and over that time span, I'm, I'm curious too, and I, I think Alyssa and I were wondering this, both of us wondering this, like, what have you seen change in the voiceover industry over that time, both in terms of like, yeah, I, I guess I'm most curious in terms of actors coming in and like, reads like how that's changed over the span of the career it's it's um i mean it's been somewhat subtle you know when i started um in the booth at william morris this is january 05 um the reads were commercial reads were already conversational i think if anything that's it's really continued to change over the years is how conversational they they've become and how comedy oriented you know, where they're, um, we get a lot of, um, a, a lot of commercial breakdowns that will mention, you know, they want someone that has comedic sensibilities or, um, improv experience, even though they don't want people to improv improvise. Um, they want the nature of it that, you know, they get that uh, spontaneity, um, right. Or the mistake, the mistake. It was very telling as early on, like that's that kind of loose looseness with the script and, and uh, bringing, finding a way to connect your personality seamlessly, you know, and I, that, that's what really worked with that that particular read with the number um, is was personality was kicking in, and, and it worked with the vibe of the. I can't remember actually what the vibe of the spot was, but <laughs> I imagine she was just doing her thing. Um, 
yeah, so like what's going to make it set out uh, set apart from the countless submissions that uh, you know are being reviewed. Um, that is one thing as, as technology has continued to advance in the way that it has. I mean, when I started, one of the first projects is is booth director, even before it was officially booth director. Um, I was compiling auditions, uh, burning them to a CD. Oh God. And then we had these, these buck slips that we had to write, you know, had the William Morris logo on it and type the um, submission list wow. on it and then messenger it. We had a messenger service to someplace in Manhattan. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and I remember doing that once. So already it was the it, doing things digitally were, were, were pretty much happening, but oh. you get some of these specific, you know, the, the time sensitive, um, I, I I don't know why that was more uh, effective than just doing it since we could email. Yeah. Things, but we need some, like a special level of torture. I don't know. What yeah. Well, you know what? There are some, uh, I won't name names. There was a casting office, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago, a, a big one that was still taking faxes. No. Faxes? Early on. Or maybe it was 15, 15 years, like early on. Oh man. You know? Who even has a fax machine anymore? Well, you know, I don't know. It, it, none of that happens anymore. It's, it's a, but some places are a little slower to adjust to the change than others. And it's understandable, too, if you're in the business long enough um, and you're so used to doing things a certain way, it's, I'm right. sure it's much harder to start if you're not a tech person to get on board, sure. you know, those changes. But uh, I mean, here we are. And the pandemic, I mean, the industry shut down. Mm-hmm. really quick except for voiceover right right we're really lucky um clients and uh and agents alike uh, to have so much work continue to come in especially when it was the only area of the business that uh, uh was a- able to function you know with, because at that stage most of our clients were already equipped to record from home we still had some that loved to come in you know into the booth um, to get that live uh, direction. It wasn't so encouraged because, you know, it would take an agent away from their desk usually when that would happen. Uh, but we did finally, we got someone who was uh, essentially going to be our booth director. Oh. Um, you know, so so that could happen again, you know, without going crazy and having a lobby full of talent each day. These things come in all the time, you know, these projects at all, at all hours. So when the pandemic hit, it, even more so. There was an assumption, I think, that, oh, we're all quarantined. No one's going anywhere. Yeah, it's Saturday evening, but we got a breakdown. We're going to work, you know? Right. Um, So things were happening, you know, on weekends more consistently for a little bit. And then it it stabilized and and started to adhere more to the, at least the Monday to Friday schedule, unless there was a casting emergency. Um, Yeah. So it's, uh, oh, so the thing I kind of got sidetracked there, the point being is, you know, there's so many talent now auditioning these projects from all over the place. You know, you don't have to be in New York, LA or Chicago. Um, there's more awareness of that than ever. And so these projects are really, um, many of them are, are, are being submitted on from all over. So the numbers that you're talking about, uh, the competition, it's it's increased now right it's there's plenty of opportunity out there which is great and it's not you know there's a lot of one-off projects so it's not like there's a shortage of things 
but you're going into, uh, in a lot of cases, a larger pool. So that personality coming through and that freedom with the copy and, um, you know, really owning it um, is more important than ever to cut through, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like you said this earlier. It's almost this kind of like playing the lottery in yeah. a sense. Yeah. But it's like, I guess it's playing the lottery, but doing it in a smart way. Like you said, kind of owning it and bringing your personality. Like, totally. That's, yeah. And if somebody hears that, it gets into the right hands. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. That's it, it could also be timing. You know, it's like you, you, who knows? I remember uh, when I started uh, very early on at Stewart, I went out to Chicago um, to train with the agents there because that, that, office had been doing voiceover for over 20 years at that point, maybe longer, maybe 30. Um, you know, they're the head of the class in the VO world in, in, in the agency market in Chicago. Um, and there was a lunch that was organized at Leo Burnett, um, the ad agency, uh, to, so I could meet some of the producers there because our Chicago office had a very tight relationship, uh, and still does with that agency. Um, and I was talking to different producers about how they, uh, how they listen to auditions. You know, you know, at the time, Voice Bank was oh, big. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, a big way that the agencies would post their projects and invite the talent agencies that they wanted to work on, um, or wanted to invite to work on their projects. Um, and you know, I got a different response from each producer I spoke to. Really? One that said he listened to everything that came in before the deadline, which I thought, wow, I didn't think that that was a yeah. I mean, how, how much time do you have? I don't know. You think that would take a lot of time. Um, another that would book the first voice he heard that he loved to your, she, I can't remember, uh, would book that person, whether or not the deadline had, had approached. Oh, wow. Which, I, Whoa. <laughs> I mean, we've seen that happen a lot since yeah. where sometimes we'll get notified, like a casting has been closed or oh, wow. uh, a decision has been made and the deadline has been reached. So for those clients that, uh, didn't get to their audition or wait, you know, oh, I got five days. I'll submit at the end of the week, you know? So we operate now with the, you know, you do it as soon as you can. Don't, don't wait. Obviously uh, we all have lives, uh, a work life balance and you got to figure out, you know, that you're not going to be able to hit every deadline and sometimes right. you will have to wait until later if it's going to happen at all. But, you know, uh, we just, as part of playing the lottery uh, smartly, it's, yeah, you know, going along with that very fast paced turnaround quickly thing definitely can up your chances, um, you know, of booking a job. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of times when auditions come in, like a deadline is given, it'll be like send in at 10 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like are those deadlines for, for you as the agent to be able to listen and then send out? Or is it like this is what the when the client gets? It really depends. There's no way for the clients to know because sometimes we'll get projects. I know some casting directors will want the MP3s by 10 a.m. the next morning. Oh, wow. Um, but a lot of times we don't, but we're putting the next day or next morning as the deadline to encourage right. um, the deadline milkers to really get out. <laughs> uh, but so that being said, I think an important tip for anybody who's listening is to um, don't assume that that's the hard deadline and that if you miss that, mm -hmm. well, might as well not submit because I, I can't do it in time. Yeah. Check, check because there may be some wiggle room. It could even be a, a full day or, or two days. 
um, you know, that's really uh, just in place as an encouragement. Truth. You know, um, and yeah, again, we all have lives, you know, and things that we need to be doing. So it, it can get exhausting. I'm sure True. as a client, you know, if you're getting an email submission, you know, at 8 p.m. the night before, sometimes later, um, you know, m- multiple throughout the day. Mm. You know, just like it can, it can feel that way. Like, ah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure also like overwhelming for you too, as the agent to be like, whoa, okay. Like I have 20 different, you know, MP3s to, to listen to and get out. Yeah. It can be a, t- a definite test of time management. And, uh, but luckily, you know, I've got two other uh, voiceover agents in the adult department. Uh, we've got a team of assistants. Like we, we really, we're supported very well That's good. Uh, in ways that we weren't, you know, for years, not that we weren't supported, but we just, we didn't have as much help, you know? Mm, right. Um, and it's part of just the nature of growing and, and, and getting to a place where you can have more help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we've got, we've got some great assistance on board and, you know, it's, uh, we do our, our best to meet the deadlines we meet the deadlines, but, you know, depending on how, whatever the project is, some are, are more involved than others, or it's a more complete submission list than others. Mm-hmm. Um, setting boundaries, I think, is an important thing for everybody, you know, uh, on the talent and on the uh, industry side, um, because we're all, like, tethered to our phones. It wants us to be tethered 24-7, uh, but to be able to... Uh, you know, sort of, okay, this does not need a response now. It's, it's dinner time. Uh, this can wait until later, you know, picking and choosing uh, what gets handled um, and when. And I know on, on the talent side, being able, if you've, if you've got so much going on to be able to say, like, you need to pass for whatever reason, you know, or you need to book out some days because, uh, you know, you just need that mental health period. You know, that's, that's all encouraged. Ah. Yeah, it's so great to hear you say that. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to, to be able to, uh, unless someone's telling you that as a talent, um, you know, I'm thinking if I was on the other side and you're like, oh, you know, I don't need, don't want my agent to be pissed off with me or, you know, I don't want, what is this going to cost me other opportunities or put me on the blacklist or something, you know? I would imagine all that can go through your, your head if someone's not saying you need to be able to take you time. Right. And especially if you feel like maybe you're not getting that many auditions, then you get one to say that you aren't available or you can't make the deadline extension. That that just feels tough, I think. Um, Truth. But um, it's so interesting to hear a little bit about the inner workings of how you work. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone's got their their way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've, uh, you know, Stuart, we, we definitely have found a rhythm and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we used to be boutique, but we're not, we're, we're boutique in our, um, I feel like boutique almost sounds like it's a negative in some way, you know, um, we're not a small agency, uh, like we were, but we have a very, uh, curated roster, um, of talent. Uh, we're very uh, focused on our clients and, 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 uh, you know, collaborative, uh, with them. Um, and we've still got our eye on growth even at this stage, you know, cause that really never, 
you can decide like, oh, you know, we're, we're doing great, but that doesn't mean there's no more room for expansion or um, increase in opportunity. So uh, we still have that uh, more boutique um, uh, perspective on the business while we are a much larger entity. If that makes any sense. It totally <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. The, the boutique approach, I feel like really comes through in terms of the the way that you and, and all the agents I've worked with at Stewart communicate with clients. It always mm-hmm. feels um, very, just very personal. And I, it's, it always feels good. Like you're, you're heard, you're seen when you write an email, people write back. Yeah. Like you're that with feedback. Like that's always something that's, that's given um, without any kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't have time to do this or you're yeah. poo pooed. Like it is very, I, I always find pe- pe- people yourself really included going, taking that extra step to, to communicate, which is so awesome and so rare sadly rare (laughs) when that comes through because i I, it's one of the things i love about Stuart is that you know we're we've never been the you know back when we were going into the office we're still remote uh for now uh looking at after the new year to come to be coming back um certain days out of the week will be set in the office a couple might be built in work remotely so we'll have like a hybrid thing uh but you know, when we were going in full time, you know, uh, weren't expected to wear the the suit and tie and the you yeah. know full full on corporate feel. There's a very um, accessible vibe, um, uh, very ca- casual. While we're all working very hard, it's nothing to do with that. We're also, um, you know, we're, we're not putting on this show. Yeah. Of, oh, we're, we're business people, and you no. have. Well, well, so approachable and like the door is open to come in and say hi i miss that (laughs) and i know uh a lot of the agents do too like we're all excited to you know to be able to have some of that back in our our lives you know to be able to have a face-to-face interaction um yeah because it's it's just a part of the human experience right like we're all working uh, very hard on both sides of it talent and industry and uh you know it's I think we all do better work when we're when we're in our comfortable place, you know, and 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 mm. spreading good energy and and that whole thing. So, um, you know, we spend so much time doing this stuff. So why why not, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So it's always had that vibe to it, and I, I attribute a lot of that to the owner, Don Burge, owner of the New York mm-hmm. office. Um, you know, he, we even have a meditation room in the agency. Wow. Really? I did not know that. That's cool. So we moved into this space, uh, six months before the pandemic. That's right. Uh, I visited you there right before the holiday, like right around the holidays and then everything shut down. Beautiful space was, you know, outfitted for us. Um, we went from 2,500 to 6,000 square feet and, uh, yeah, it's, um, and it's still looks very new because it hasn't had a whole lot of use. Uh, but agents have started to go. We can go in now if we want, but no one's being required to go in just yet. Got um, it. So it is, uh, you know, I go and I kind of average once a week. Uh, we'll pop in at some point to do some things there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful space and it's uh, it's got the Stuart Talent flavor, you know, the vibe that uh, had been established uh, back in the early days. 
Yeah. Really, really cool to see. And we're continuing. We've even, we grew uh, during the pandemic, you know, which was kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Brought in a new age, a gaming agent, uh, uh, cool. came into the agency, you know, and, and on the, so that's actually his area of, of the business. I'm not really, um, I'm not a gaming guy, so I can't tell you fully the ins and outs of that, but it's, it's uh, like video games. Play, yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a big live component to it too. So oh, there was a big chunk of that business that was not happening, but mm. there was still some stuff going on. Um, wow. But yeah. And then I know now a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. So we would love to hear about, you know, what you do outside of the biz, your hiking, photography, and anything else. Well, I mean, those are the two, two major things that have really escalated for me over the years. Um, you know, I think the photography thing is probably connected in a way to the um, screenwriting interest that I had. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm still interested in it, but it's not a, I'd say that's a hobby too. It's not a, a pursuit. Um, but there's a, you know, the cinematic aspect of, you know, the, what creating a mood behind a picture and, and, and find, finding the right, you know, an angle and something that, that looks like a scene, but where, where is the shot, you know? Um, trying to find it is a little bit like a game, you know, and it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it, yeah, no, no, or I don't have the camera that that can capture that because I do everything on on iPhone. Uh, I was going to ask; those are all on your iPhone. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a testament to the technology, right? So yeah. I do upgrade whenever there's an improvement on the camera. Well, I upgrade every two years, but usually the major upgrade happens every two years um so it's it can do a lot i mean the night photos you can take now which you, oh you, you could i could take um artistic night shots before but under very specific circumstances for it to work you know right um uh, i would love to i just haven't done it is learn how to to use a real complex camera and, and do all the manual stuff um you know i feel like a not a fraud but it does feel like a cheat being able to use this point and click thing to, you know, you still have to uh, have some know-how about oh, yeah. finding what the shot is, you know, that's not inherent, you know, and, and, and anyone can pick up a camera and they're taking snapshots or equivalent of snapshot um, quality. But um, yeah, I, I'd love to uh, learn more about that. When I have time, I haven't really figured out time for that. And it's so easy with the iPhone. Yeah, so accessible. It's right there. Yeah, it, it, it's, it. So it's fulfilling enough that I'm good with this for now. Um, I love the nature thing too. Obviously, you know, it, it, my hiking game really amped up over the last 10 years. Um, I found that that is how I uh, most successfully turn off, mm-hmm. you know, the thoughts that can be going in the head, stresses and, you know, uh, whatever the thing is that's, you know, uh, uh, distracting me or sort of weighing down when I'm hiking, it becomes a very focused, uh, it, it, hiking to summit a mountain. That's the thing. It, you know, these strenuous activities keeps me focused on a goal, um, to the point where I'm not having these deeply profound, uh, philosophical thoughts while I, if I'm hiking alone on a trail, um, I tend to just zero in on the objective, you know, and, and looking around for, any anything that seems like a good uh, photo to, cool. to sort of map what, whatever that hike is, you know, and, and things that catch my eye. 
you know, I, I built a, started building a website um, during oh, cool. the pandemic. Um, one of those Squarespace uh, sites. I created a page on Squarespace and um, have been building up a portfolio there. Um, oh, it's one way just to catalog the different trips, you know, um, there's the hiking out in nature aspect and then there's the New York City yeah. side of it too. Um, and so they're their own sections, you know, and I love both. I still very much love being in the city. Um, and this has been home for 20, almost 25 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Next year, uh, 24. Oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, I've been here more than half my life, which is wow, kind of wild. Um, but I, I love, uh, similarly, hiking mountains and uh, being in, in, in buildings up on high floors with views. There's a similar thrill there. Wow. One's a lot easier to get to, though. You just take it. <laughs> Especially if you're in New York. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, something about those heights, you know, being able to see expanses of, of you know, the whatever's around you. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Can I just, like, pause, though? And, like, you were being super modest right now. Like, yeah. for listeners who don't know, some of your hikes are unbelievably challenging. Didn't you do, like, a 40-mile hike? Well. Something like that recently? And it was, like... It- one of the hardest routes possible it, it's, overnight. The hardest is subjective. It depends on, yeah. I mean, very challenging. There's this thing. So I do a lot of hiking in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Um, and there is, it, it, it's called the Pemi Loop. Um, Pemi is short for Pemi Jawasset, uh, which is the, just that particular range, or that wilderness area. Um so that's where it gets the name. Uh, but it's 30, 30 miles, 30 mountain miles where you summit um, seven, seven peaks along the way. And these are all between 4,000 and I think 5,500 around that is the highest peak along that route. Wow, oh my gosh. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that you're going hiking up one mountain and going all the way down. And then, you know, it's like they're, they're ridge lines. And um, so there, there is a lot of, ups and downs and, and drops, but I'm not losing all of the elevation mm-hmm. every time. Um, but it's substantial. I mean, it was, yeah. look, I think it's around 8,000 feet in elevation gain over the course of the, of the loop. And there's, there's uh, big sections that are exposed above tree line. And then some that you're, dip, feels like you're dipping down into the tundra. It's just very, wow, very woodsy, rocky, muddy, you know, I mean, New Hampshire has a lot of rocks. So if you don't like rocks, um, you guys scramble, scramble over the scramble. Yeah, it, it's it certain certain of the uh, mountains are more scrambly than others, but there's that. Mm. Um, it, I, I love it. I love it. You know, it's this hike I did over the summer um, started at two a.m. It was the earliest I ever started any kind oh, of hike. Um, and you do that with a headlamp, um, but this particular loop is pretty well trafficked. So you know, I ran it into other hikers throughout the day. I didn't see any that morning until close to sunrise, you know, oh, as I wow. approached the first, uh, the first peak. Um, and then it was great. You know, I got up there first mountain of the day, it's a mountain called flume. Um, and there were four or five people already up there in, in silence, you know, just what watching the horizon. So you're up there above the, the trees, you know, it's exposed rock face. And then you see the the light on the horizon as the sun starts to come up and just oh. so beautiful. And, you know, there's just a hushed quiet, you know, at oh, least wow. there was, you know, a little bit of chit chat, but it's very 
calm, you know, and what an awesome way to start a day. Yeah. Literally um, like rising with the sun. Yeah. Uh, and even before that, going up when it was just me and a headlamp in the dark, uh, you know, tr- the trail was not hard to follow. So the, that wasn't bushwhacking or anything. Um, something so uh, peaceful and intimate about that. You know, I remember as I was climbing up that first mountain, looking up uh, as I got to a higher elevation and the star field, it was pretty clear and it just felt closer. Like the sky felt closer. Um, And that, that uh, was an energy boost, you know, to to get up, uh, to keep going, you know? Um, And I love that test of endurance. You know, it's very, very thrilling. I did a a New York city fundraiser uh, walk. I remember this. That was a, a very, so not much traveling for anybody in 2020, but um, that, that you know, I've been in the city for as long as I told you, I'm, uh, 24 years now. Uh, I started to do these long walks uh, just to sort of get out of the apartment and do these solo walks and uh, uh, explore parts of the city I hadn't been to by foot before. And it was such a, a cool way to, to play on the test of endurance but also check out these areas and do loop walks that connect um, to really get to know the city, you know, know the city in new ways. Yeah. Thank you so much for really, I just, I'm in awe of just all of your talents and it's been so cool even getting to know you just in more, more details about everything that you're doing and thank you for sharing it with us. I, uh, thanks for asking. Um, and it really is a pleasure to, to have these kind of dialogues. And um, I have to create a podcast and invite you on. So I, I yeah, well, ask more questions about, uh, I know some of the things. <laughs> I know some of them now, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I love this part of the business as well as is, is meeting uh, creative people and hearing uh, what they're doing. And especially great when we are collaborating on a project together that, that leads to something, you know? Absolutely. Um, Definitely. And finding what, whatever those projects are as well. Yes. Yes. It's been so awesome getting to know you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positive creativity podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positive creativity podcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.